0: Geordi, we need more warp power now. I'm trying, Captain. They're too much for us. I can't keep the phase inducers online. Shields down to 9%. One more hit and they'll collapse. Open a channel. Open. This is Captain Beverly Picard.
1: We are a medical ship on a mission of mercy. Please break off...
0: Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name's Jera, and thanks for tuning in. This week, uh, we will be talking about fabulous female captains in Star Trek, other than Captain Janeway, because she probably needs her own episode. But before we get started, um, we had some listener mail, or rather a listener blog comment um, that I thought... Was um, appropriate for this episode. Um, so I'm going to get Sue to read that. All right. This came in minutes after we
2: released our very first episode. How flattering. Uh, I know. And here we go. It says, Hi, great first episode. You asked for input. Something that particularly interests me is the default to mail setting that I see so much of in the Star Trek writing and/or casting. For example, in a Voyager episode I just watched concerning flight, Every single one of the non-regulars was male. I don't know if it was because, apart from Leonardo, they were criminals, and the writer subconsciously wrote men for those parts. Also, why couldn't Janeway have a holodeck program featuring Hypatia? Though I do get why she'd have been less useful making an aircraft. Also, in the Voyager pilot, they had a golden opportunity to at least posit the possibility of a ship with a female captain and first officer. Since they were going to kill off half the Voyager crew to make room for the Maquis, they could have done anything with the officers that had to die without troubling the sponsors. And what do we get? The first officer and doctor are white men. There's so much of this, and I honestly don't know if you can make an episode around it without it becoming a simple counting exercise. But
0: I do find it interesting, so I thought I'd mention it. Look forward to the next episode. Tim. Wow, thanks for writing in awesome i think that that fits pretty well with the subject of this episode on female captains because while there are a few and they're worth remarking on um i i'm sure that if we tried to count all of the one-shot male captains that have appeared in star trek uh we would have a much longer list because i think that there is this sort of default to male attitude that and we see this in um in video games and comic books too that creators um have argued you know, we need a reason to make this character a woman or a person of color, um, but they don't see, like, you need to a reason to make a character a white man.
1: Whereas a male character is just the default, of course.
0: Yeah, like, I was watching uh, an Enterprise episode that we'll get to a bit later, and uh, Trip is meeting a new engineering team, which is four people. Three of them are white men, and one of them is a white woman. And that's a classic example. None of those people have lines. You could have made them more diverse without any skin off your teeth, Um, but it's just considered the default. Which is just lazy. And it's not a Star Trek problem, really.
2: It's an everything problem. Uh, But I think that it gets more attention in science fiction because we're supposed to be in the future and we're supposed to be in a world that has progressed to a certain point. But we're still seeing the same thing that we see today that we saw ten years ago, etc. I think it was like
1: Jane Espenson or someone who said, "Why would I? Why would we write a fantasy world that's got the same problems as our reality?"
0: Yeah, absolutely. So to start off with, I wanted to talk about like what you guys would be looking for in a female captain. Like if you got to just write a woman captain who is only going to show up for one episode, so you you probably couldn't make her you know, the, have the most complex life story in the world. But what kinds of qualities would you want her to embody? What would you be looking for?
1: More aliens. Because honestly, I'm also sick of seeing human just be the default in Star Trek. I think we've got this diverse cast of aliens and this huge group of people to draw from. And there should be a lot more fun with that. I mean, it also, also for the sake of intersectionality, just saying, well, we've got our lady captain, that's our diversity. Or we could have our alien captain. We can't have both. I don't think I've actually seen someone who is both, um, who is a Starfleet captain anyway.
0: Yeah, and we are only going to get to the Starfleet captains in this episode. Um, So, I mean, there are a couple notable Romulan women in particular, but um, they're very few and far between. And you're right, in Starfleet... um, we we rarely get female alien captains. I mean, there aren't any, actually, in the list. Um, so I think that's a good point. I mean, one thing I would be looking for is um, I, I want them to make a strong impression because they only have one episode. So you don't want the person to be saying, who was that again? I totally don't even remember them. So for them to be um, in some way remarkable and not for just being a totally one-dimensional stereotype. And I think we'll get to a couple good examples of that.
2: Yeah, I really like that Janeway is a scientist. You know, that she's... I guess, I think she was an engineer. I like it when they clearly have had a field that they rose to the top of, and then they took command and became bridge officers, and they aren't just there because they need to fill a seat in the episode. And as much as I hate this word when it comes to talking about media... They should be strong characters. Um, And strong does not mean,
0: you know, aggressive or necessarily physically strong, but just of good character. Exactly. Like if we think about some of the male captains that are really memorable for being in one episode, um, I'm thinking, for example, of the um, man who is in, uh, I believe the episode is called The Wounded, the episode O'Brien's former captain um and uh he's a character where he's not really strong in terms of being like he's aggressive but he's definitely um not quite rational and uh, and yet he makes a very strong impression you have a very good sense of who he is
2: yeah definitely like strong like well developed you know there's a reason that this person is the way that they are or that she is the way that she is let's use our pronouns since we're talking about women might as well <laughs> Sadly, I can't really come up with a ton of examples, other than really Erica Hernandez. She's the one that I think a lot of people yeah, point to. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And my plan was to go in chronological order in terms of when the things aired. To actually put Erica at the end because I think it actually makes more sense that way. But uh, she does sort of come up in the first um, mention of female captains we get, which is in the Tos episode "Turnabout Intruder." Oh boy.
1: <laughs> oh boy. Um, This is probably
0: another one you could just do a whole analysis of but uh, for the purposes of this podcast we'll just say that basically um, it's about James Kirk's former love interest Janice Lester and she has a line that sort of implies that she wanted to be a captain and she was resentful because women weren't allowed to be captains in Starfleet. And that's been debated whether that's actually what she meant, Um, but in James Blish's novelizations of the original series, it's explicitly stated that women couldn't be captains. And because of this, she kills her entire crew to be able to get access to Kirk, swaps bodies, and then proceeds to totally, um, you know, put the Enterprise in total peril in Kirk's body. Uh, Meanwhile, Kirk is in Lester's body. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so, do you guys have thoughts on that episode? Uh, I don't think there's anything I
1: can really say that isn't immediately obvious from the description of the episode.
2: Yeah, when I blogged through TOS, that was the only episode that got a reaction GIF, and it was of a real housewife flipping over a table.
1: (laughs) Fitting! fitting
2: yeah pretty much i would say the only good part about that episode
1: is enjoying william shatner's well that's one of the reasons we come for it in the first place
0: i think that um actually the actress who plays janet lester as bizarre a part as it is i think she actually does a good job pretending to be shatner stuck in her body um but uh i have a quote from a professor of communications at the university of pittsburgh named brenton malin and he says that The episode is basically a reactionary response to feminism in the 1960s, and that Dr. Lester is, quote, a caricature and condemnation of the feminism of the late 60s, evoking a fear of powerful, power-hungry women Pretty much. Yeah, he says the message seems clear. Women want to kill men and take their jobs, but ultimately they can't handle them. Yep, that's about it right there. So it's a pretty weird message for Star Trek, and I guess you can maybe just credit part of that to the fact that this was the very end of the original series and the, the teams had changed up so much. They were starved for scripts, starved for funding, and starved for ideas. But um, it's pretty much i think a blight on the original series and star trek in general it's a blight on the face of science fiction in general dude <laughs> totally i mean i just don't get it so we know that gene roddenberry is by
2: no means perfect but he from the very beginning wanted his first officer to be a woman he wanted you know bridge officers like who did actual things and she would be second in command of the ship and then you end the series three years later with turnabout intruder what i mean, yes, that, that original pilot did have some a few weird comments about having a woman on the bridge which was obnoxious but that is a far cry from what we saw with Janice Pretty much. Lester. We go
1: from having a woman in a role of authority and power where she is supposed to be the logical, uh, level headed character to an episode that's entire plot revolves around the idea of this character just suddenly coming down with crazy bitch syndrome.
0: Yeah, and at the end, you know, after the bodies are swapped back and Janice Lester is basically sobbing and saying that she wants Kirk dead, um, Kirk sort of wistfully says she could have had a life as fulfilling as any woman if only if only and i don't really know exactly what that means but it sounds like he's saying that you know if only couldn't you have just taken
1: what you were given and be happy with it?
0: it yeah just like accept your proper role um so it is such a bizarre installation in the franchise um but i thought it was worth a mention yeah um because um we don't really get to hear about female captains before that point um and we don't get to hear about another one for another 17 years in Star Trek 4 when we get to see the captain of the USS Saratoga very briefly um as earth is being destroyed mm-hmm. by the uh, probe the whale probe um so this was 1986 Space whales yeah and uh the actress who played the captain was named madge sinclair and the character doesn't have a name in the movie but in the novels um she's said to be named marge alexander so she doesn't have a huge part she only has a couple lines but i think that it's pretty significant um that they chose to cast a black woman as the first female captain that we got to see which is pretty cool also because intersectionality yeah exactly and i mean at this time we hadn't had a woman captain of you know helming a show or a black captain and those were both huge struggles so it was still something to to show that this is still a universe where um anyone can um ascend to the rank of captain
1: well if kurt can do it (laughs) oh we're we're gonna get hate mail for that aren't we
0: (laughs) well let's just say if if decker could do it wasn't decker a captain in yeah okay yeah if decker could do it
1: yeah how hard can it be
0: yeah but when we get to the next generation, for the sake of the next one, we should treat it as hard again, I think, because the first female uh, captain we get to see in TNG is Trila Scott, who's in the episode Conspiracy. Do either of you remember that episode particularly? I can't say I do, honestly. That is the episode with the slugs, right? Yeah, that's the episode where. Um, <laughs> oh wow! There are these sort of like bug things that are controlling. Can we just pause
1: for a second and say that the fact that the episode is known as the one with the slugs doesn't really say much for it so far?
2: But you know what? I realized after I said that 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 could be referring to a lot of different episodes. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Do you? It's mean? a
1: slug-heavy uh, sci-fi franchise. It's
2: the one where it's a first season episode, and it is also the one that I think... So you know it's good. Yeah. It's the one that Walker Keel shows up in. Yes. And I remember this specifically because I have watched the scene several times, because as a Picard Crusher shipper, that has a little bit of their backstory in it.
1: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> just just so you know. But um, it's this alien race that, that sort of burrows into your brainstem, and they're trying bros to... Burrows or
1: bros burrows sorry sorry (laughs) i had a mental image there
2: um and they they sort of take control essentially and you can tell if somebody has one of these bug things in them because there's a little tiny tail that comes out of the base of their neck and it's sending people you know back to starfleet to take over and this like admiral's assistant has
1: the the like head
2: alien guy in his chest
1: and eventually explodes. That's the episode. Well, I'm just thinking now if if they go into your head and they have a little tail, is it like a rat tail? Because if so, then the aliens are broing into your brain, sashaying <laughs> in there with their popped collars.
0: It is not that elaborate. Maybe I don't know. I kind of want you to Photoshop the aliens with little fedoras now, though, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a picture. Um, so, uh, yeah, that is the episode. <laughs> I actually think it's fairly good for season one. Um, it's at least exciting and you aren't really sure what's going to happen until the end. But, um, Trila Scott h- is, has, I think, a short but memorable appearance. Um, she is one of two captain or three captains, including Picard, who summoned by walker to, um, come meet on this abandoned planet and learn about the fact that there may be a conspiracy going on. And she steps out into the light and uh, she's also a black woman and picard goes um trila scott and remarks that she's the youngest woman who ever actually i think youngest person who ever attained the rank of captain um and uh says are you really that good and she goes yes i am and i just love that i think that it's awesome it's important to know your value it's just sad that then she gets killed because she gets taken over by one of the bug things at the end but of course (sighs) It was a promising start for season one of Next Generation. As far as season one goes. Yeah. Next up, we have my all-time favorite. And sh- this is one who has the rank of captain but doesn't actually fly a ship. I think the only one we're going to talk about. Um, and that is Philippa Louvois from The Measure of a Man.
1: Ooh. Tell us why she's your favorite.
0: All right. Well, um, so... If uh, anyone doesn't remember, the Measure of a Man is the episode where uh, Data is on trial to find out if he's a human, um, or he is has human rights, I guess, and um, if he's sentient, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Philippa Louvois is working for the Judge Advocate General, and she gets to preside over this case. Um, and she also used to it's implied go out with picard and she has this amazing line where she basically says you're a pompous ass and a damn sexy man <laughs> i just want to That's be her. talk right there <laughs> she's <laughs> not wrong no
1: <laughs> and maybe one adds to the other a little bit and vice versa <laughs>
0: Totally. I think that she's a really great example of what you're talking about, about strong, not necessarily meaning aggressive. Like she just clearly has a really good forceful personality. um, But she's also willing to listen and she she has opinions, but she reconsiders them when she's offered new facts. And I think that makes her a pretty cool role model. Also, little known fact, uh, the actress Amanda McBroom, who plays that role, um is a cabaret performer and she also wrote the song the rose from the bette midler movie the rose
1: you're kidding no
0: oh my gosh
1: what are the
0: odds? So I'll, I'll maybe post a video of her more recently singing at a cabaret performance in our show notes because I was like, that's the same person? Oh, my gosh. Cool. Wow, oh, man. The things you learn from the internet. <laughs> um, do you, does anyone have a, anything else on Philippa Loubois? Nothing relevant.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> why is she honing in on Picard? <laughs>
1: exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> because why not? He's there.
2: Like like a lot of the people who show up who are Picard love interests, I just have an immediate not great reaction to. I wonder why. (laughs) But I can, you know, I can look past it now and recognize her. No, I really did not like any of them for a long time. But now, (laughs) you know, as an adult, I see them as their own individual (laughs) characters.
1: So... (laughs) And not just competition.
0: Exactly. Not for me, for Beverly. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I'm really glad that they never get past flirting, though, because um, I think that it would have made her role in the show more about Picard instead of what she is, which is, I think, basically her own character with her own function in the plot.
2: Right. Oh, no, they would have destroyed it if it actually happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I completely recognize that. In not as many words, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And this is also an episode written by Melinda Snodgrass, um, who is fabulous in many ways. So yay for women writers. The Snod, what what? (laughs) That's my name for her now. I am declaring it. (laughs) Okay, we'll see how she feels about that. (laughs) So next up, we talked about this in our TNG episode, um, is Yesterday's Enterprise with Captain Rachel Garrett. Um, And I don't know if you guys knew, but in an early draft, uh, this was actually going to be a man, Richard Garrett, which I think goes back to a point we've talked about previously, that if you don't think too much about the gender of your character and just write a good character and then make it a woman, it can end up being awesome. Mm -hmm.
1: Ripley's Law right there in reference to
0: Alien. Yes.
1: (laughs) I killed that.
2: (laughs) I get it. And I think that's a great thing that exists that you can say just write a character and the actor who plays it will determine its gender. But I think you can write characters that are specifically women and specifically men. Because you know what, we are different. So it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be just write a man
0: and cast a woman. You can actually write a woman too. Oh, definitely. I think the problem comes in when Um, People either think too hard about the fact that they're a woman, especially male writers, and um, not really understanding and taking the time to really, you know, ask questions and understand um, what that might mean. Um, I mean, there's no like one meaning of what it means to be a woman, but to at least try to do some research and talk to actual women. Um, and get a you know get a sense. <laughs> Do
1: not consider them another species, and that because then you're already doing it wrong. Yeah,
0: then you can fall into stereotypes or just create a really bland character because you're trying so hard not to fall into stereotypes. But in the sc- final script, she's described as a tall, handsome woman who commands respect instantly. And the actress who played her, Trish O'Neill, also played uh, the Klingon scientist that we talked about, who is in suspicions. Um, as well as a Cardassian scientist in Deep Space Nine episode.
1: Oh, I didn't didn't realize that was her also on Deep Space Nine.
0: Yeah, one of the two. I'm not sure which one in the episode Defiant.
1: I, yeah, I actually uh, think Rachel Garrett is just awesome. She makes a very good impression for the short amount of time we see her. I just really enjoy getting to see the contrast between her and Picard, um, not only for the brief time we see them, for their different styles as captaining, but also to show the contrast of the different situations that their respective enterprises are in. And I thought having two separate characters to do that instead of like just an alternate Picard or something uh, was really cool and just just add uh, gave it kind of a level of gravitas I think if that makes any sense just the differentness of it.
0: I agree I like um, how you know right from the very beginning she really commands respect and even though she's faced with this incredibly you know disorienting situation about being Uh, years in the future she adapts really quickly based on her knowledge that you just have to do what it takes to survive the situation and uh She, you know, she She gets thrown there and there is just like, well, this is what's happening now, I guess. Yeah. And she, you know, she like she checks herself out of sickbay against Crusher's recommendations and basically is like, my crew needs me. And that's what you expect of a captain and especially a captain of the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. So uh, we got a couple more captains in Next Generation. Um, One who we don't really get to see a lot of from her own perspective, is Jordi LaForge's mother, Silva LaForge. Do either of you want to talk about that at all? Because it's been a really long time since I saw that episode, which is Interface. Yeah,
2: from what I remember of this episode, it comes to find, or the crew comes to find, the, what happened to his mother, who disappeared when he was, I, I believe, when he was young, who happened to be a captain. But we only see her as a human I believe in Jordy's memory. So she doesn't really have any lines or much action other than like telling Jordy, yes, this is me, you know, through physical movements in in the present day for them. But she was a captain.
1: That's exactly what we know of her. We know she is Jordy's mom and she is a captain. Yeah. We don't get to really see much more of her than
0: that. I don't think we can draw a lot really from this episode about her character because like you said he, it's basically through Jordy's lens it's sort of like if we um you know took only Cisco's memories of Jennifer Cisco and was like this is who she was um right. but
1: which is sad because it's very limiting.
0: Yeah, absolutely and I'm I mean I think for yeah that's just the function in this episode but i mean i guess um it is another example that's good of showing that women of color can be captains in starfleet so there's that much with it to it mm-hmm. so sue do you want to talk about the next one because i know <laughs> that you have have a special fondness for her oh boy that would be captain beverly picard in all good things Yay! yeah
1: <laughs> captain
2: beverly we know that i love her <laughs> <laughs> This is just going to be a thread throughout the entire podcast forever. Um, but Make it so. She's very, it's very brief, of course, the finale episode, you can say it never actually happened because that is not the timeline that came to pass. But we do see her, you know, standing up to her ex-husband and her ex-captain. I can quote you that speech if you'd like. <laughs> and I, I think she even yells at both Worf and Riker at some point, you know, and she's not letting them... Especially Picard, because of his health at that point, you know she's putting her foot down at a certain point and saying, "I know you want to help him, but you have to helping him isn't the way he thinks you're going to be helping him." So that happens, and then she, as Beverly Crusher, she does also command the ship occasionally on uh, the night shift. There are a couple episodes that show that, and she was, I think, acting captain during a lot of descent. One of the Borg episodes and she flew the ship into the sun and stuff. As one
1: does.
0: So I have the action figure of Beverly Picard. um, So I think if you have the action figure, that means it happened.
1: Does she have a little bun of command?
0: She does. Yes,
2: Yes! she does. I have that action figure too. Awesome.
0: I also have her in her Dixon Hill costume. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Amazing. So you know how after um, the original series that. Um, you know, the creators were working on a Star Trek phase two series. um, Uh But there was also another spinoff discussion with Gene Roddenberry and uh, Darlene Hartman, who I think had written a couple episodes, um, where they wanted to do a spinoff episode called Hope Ship with Dr. Mumbanga from the original series. Oh, wow. But I totally would have watched a USS Pasteur spinoff. Oh my gosh, totally.
2: Yes, yes. Medical ship. I would watch the heck out of that. There's potential there. They could be just
1: like the Red Cross in space.
0: There's much to be done there. Yeah, like, I guess, let's say Space Private Practice or Space Grey's Anatomy because it's starring a woman. (laughs) Space Grey's Anatomy? Will there be like a Dr. McDreamy, please, in space? That's
1: Ensign McDreamy to you.
0: (laughs) I thought that you would want that to be uh, Picard. (laughs) Picard. (laughs) he's not a doctor (laughs) no Uh,
2: good times (laughs) i bet you i can find that fanfic though
0: (laughs) riker's like that's my job riker was mcdreamy before there was a mcdreamy (laughs) he's the proto mcdreamy oh Oh, no (laughs) gosh
1: maybe we should like put a, a call out to any listeners to write that fanfic
0: Oh, what have we wrought? I'd be really surprised if there wasn't Pasteur fanfic, but uh, if anyone knows of any good (laughs) Pasteur fanfic, uh, you should definitely uh, email it to us. Um, I can tell you
2: that I've probably read it if it exists. Anyway. You're our
1: resident expert. Let's
2: continue
0: (laughs) before I dig myself a deeper hole. (laughs) All right. So on to Deep Space Nine uh, where we only have one captain in seven years uh, who's a woman and she's only a captain for one episode uh, but that is Erica Benteen. She's is introduced in as a commander in the episode Homefront, and then is promoted to captain by her supervisor, Admiral Layton, who is corrupt and promoting people he trusts into key positions. Um, so she's promoted to captain in the episode Paradise Lost, and then is ordered to shoot down the Defiant uh, to prevent it from reaching Earth with key evidence against Admiral Layton. Do either of you have strong memories of this one? Unfortunately,
1: um, well, fortunately, it's a very active and exciting couple of episodes and sadly i can't say her character is one of the things that stands out in it there's a lot happening and um, for her character to have stood out she would have really needed to have made an impression which i i'm, I'm sad to say she didn't but it's cool that there were you know was a, at least one woman getting something good out of this you know whole big you know cluster of <laughs> inequity and corruption in Starfleet <laughs>
2: I have to say I don't really remember her at all. And you'd think, DS9 being a station, that there would be more ships passing through with more captains who happened to be women. But what do I know?
0: You really would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Again, just a thing we didn't really get to see. So I watched this just yesterday and Erica Benteen is played by uh, Susan Gibney, who also played Leah Brahms in uh, Next Generation. And she was also considered for the role of Captain Janeway. So I think that this was a bit of a consolation prize to get this role in these couple of episodes. But if you pay attention to her, she's acting the best she can in that role. She's doing um, a pretty good job with a pretty limited set of scenes in the first episode in particular um, there is a scene where Admiral Layton is being is actually uh, taken over by a changeling and he is uh, being super rude to Odo and just the look looks on her face are really um, subtle and compelling. Like She's reacting really well in that scene, so you can tell she's trying really hard even though she's not given a lot to do. And in the second episode in Paradise Lost, she is sort of passive-aggressively grilling Sisko about why he's still on Earth. And you get the impression that she could have been a really interesting character. Um, but it's it, kind of too bad that she's the only woman captain in Deep Space Nine and she gets promoted basically only because she's loyal to this white male superior who's corrupt um and you don't really get a ton of sense of her motivation except for that she is loyal to him and he spent a lot of time drilling into people the value of loyalty creepy but at the end of the day she decides not to shoot down the defiant um, and kill all the crew so that's awesome but you don't get to hear it from her you get to hear it from wharf that the Captain Benteen powered down their weapons. So straight from the wharf's mouth. It's kind of disappointing that she doesn't really get to speak for herself. Um. So um. And then we're gonna skip over Voyager because there's only a couple Starfleet captains in Voyager. Yeah, there's
1: a very limited selection.
0: Yeah. So I mean, we're not we're not going to talk about Janeway this episode. Um. But uh, the only other. Captains, there are. There's, you know, Captain What's His Face from the Equinox, and so there's there there are a couple dudes that we meet, but they're they're all dudes. So Enterprise and Erica Hernandez. It's been a really long time since I watched her
1: episodes. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) How about you, Grace? <laughs> I honestly don't think I've actually see seen sale. the episodes with her
0: in it. <laughs> oh no, okay. Well, I'll go, because I... Yeah. It's all you, man. All you. So, Erica Hernandez, we first meet in season four, uh, right at the end of the uh, Zindi War, and... Uh, At this point, uh, the Enterprise crew has returned home. The episode is called Home, um, and they're being treated as heroes. And we meet Erica, who has just been appointed or promoted to captain, and she is going to be the captain of the Columbia, which is the only other Warp 5 vessel other than Enterprise. So that's pretty cool. Um, It's also cool that she's, again, a woman of color. Um, The actress Ada Maris is Mexican-American. And maybe less cool, or I would say more shrug-worthy, is the fact that she's also Archer's old flame. Of course. Yeah. Um, I think she's a really cool character, but her role in Home is very much to be to facilitate Archer's character development. Um, He is feeling really upset and conflicted about the things that he's been forced to do because of the war compared to the reasons he went into space in the first place. And he's really cynical and emo in this episode. And Hernandez basically takes it upon herself to follow him mountain climbing, and then when he gets super angsty, she kisses him because she says maybe she can help him find whatever he lost out there. Uh. Okay... I mean, for first impressions, um, I think, like, it shows that she's strong. She's definitely, even though she is there to help him, she doesn't let him walk all over her command. Like, she asks him for advice, but when he says things that she doesn't agree with, that, like, you know, she should have a whole squad of Makos on her ship, and he's kind of rude to her. She goes, you know, aren't you being a little cynical? And he goes, have you read my reports? And she's like, yes, Captain, I have. So she still holds her ground. I don't get why she's attracted to him at all. Um, well, but by the time I've seen this episode, I'm excited for I'm excited to see more, and then I have to wait like 12 episodes to see more. And I guess it's also worth mentioning at this point that Erica Hernandez shows that something was definitely off in Turnabout Intruder because uh, there obviously were women captains.
2: I mean, you can make the argument that they're not really Starfleet yet. Yeah. That they're not, like, the Federation yet, and I have seen people make that argument. hmm Yeah. They're, it's a weird timeline thing that I have seen people say to, like, keep the continuity, but I am perfectly happy to believe that the Star Trek writers decided to retcon it to try and make it better.
0: Yay! Turnabout intruder didn't happen. I mean, certainly if if the writers looked at it and said, screw that, I say go writers. Because, uh, like I said, we only got one woman in Deep Space Nine. Um, so <laughs> it would have really sucked to go another four seasons of Enterprise without any women captains. Um, so the next episode she's in, um, actually, this is sort of a it's a bit of a two parter as well, is um, Affliction. And this is the one where um, Phlox is kidnapped to try to cure the Klingon augments. Um, And at this point, for some reason, Columbia has still not got out of space dock. So I think there's a lot of missed opportunities in the gap between these two episodes to have Columbia get underway. Um, But they seemed like they were more interested in using Columbia as a place for Trip to go when he was having problems with T'Pol versus actually like, let's make them do cool stuff in space so they but they do help out uh enterprise in this episode and in the next episode divergence um significantly in their battle with the klingons so that's pretty cool and they do this cool like warp bubble maneuver where they like join the two ships together and trip gets to go like on a zip line between them um so it's pretty exciting and it shows that they could have probably done a lot with that character and that ship if things had continued. Oh, missed opportunity, thy name is Enterprise. The scenes that she does have, though, in Affliction and Divergence, um, there are a couple when she's, you know, in charge of her bridge and fighting Klingons. More, probably the more significant scenes in terms of what the writers were using her for is when she's talking to Trip and trying to figure out like where he's at. So again, like she's there to kind of help out a male character.
2: Yeah. And we could stretch a little bit and say that some of the Uh, women admirals that we've seen throughout this the series have had to pass through the rank of captain you know such as Necheyev I would love to see the ship that Admiral Necheyev commands let me tell
1: you (laughs) but oh yeah that would be a tight ship in every sense of the word (laughs) right so we know that they are there, we just don't get to see much of them. And
0: actually, there is the one episode that I didn't write about, but isn't the sound of her voice about a woman captain? Yes, yes it is. Um, so there is one that we hear for an episode. Um, and I can't remember her name, unfortunately. But I think that um, the reason I wanted to talk about captains particularly, and not you know just like senior people in Starfleet, um, is because the way that the show is set up, the captains are the heroes. Um, they're the protagonists in every mm-hmm. series, and so having these other captains around—it is a captain's show. I mean, even you have Kirk um, being like, "Never let them promote you." Um, there's this idea that you shouldn't want to be an admiral. And in many ways, the admirals act as antagonists in several episodes. Right.
1: Well, they can't rebel against authority and, you know, be hard-ass unless there's someone to rebel
0: against. Absolutely. But I think, um, back to Erica Hernandez for a second, I think that she was probably still one of the best developed female captains other than Janeway that we got in the show. And maybe if Enterprise has gone longer, because her last two episodes were pretty late in the game, Uh, maybe we would have got to see more stuff. Yeah, she was the only one who wasn't a one-off, really.
1: Which is pretty Mm -hmm. sad when you think about it. And
2: if we extend our look to the novels, there are plenty more Lady Captains. It is difficult to find a full list. But of the characters we know from the television series, um, Esri Dax is promoted to a captain and so is commander shelby from best of both worlds oh no way yeah those are the only two i know for sure because they're the only two i've encountered in my reading of the many many novels (laughs) (laughs) at least that i can remember
0: apparently in the episode i think it's um uh what's the episode where dax and Worf get married you are cordially invited thank you you're welcome. So uh, in you were cordially invited uh, Dax references a Captain Shelby um but apparently the uh, powers that be got actually really mad about that because um they were planning on making Shelby Shelby was still a commander in the novels at this point and they were planning on making her more important in the novels so they said that you know, we're really glad you only mentioned her last name and we can just pretend it was a different Captain Shelby that's kind of weird maybe there's a family of Shelby's so I mean I um, I just recently read the Destiny trilogy which features Ezri prominently as a captain and it also features Erica Hernandez um, in the uh, I think the Federation 150 years book um, that came out after Enterprise they say that Erica Hernandez was, Uh, missing in action and that the whole ship was missing in action and uh, which is kind of crummy but then in the novels they found a way to sort of explain what happens where they had uh, Hernandez's ship crashed There's a very complicated sort of basically half of her crew mutinies because she refuses to uh, kill the lifeforms on the planet to escape. Um, Well, that could have been interesting. Why didn't we get to see that? I know. But then she ends up sort of being given these sort of immortality. It's better than nothing. It's all coming back to me as you go through it. (laughs) It's been a while since I read these two. Um, But it's pretty cool she's confronted with a lot of difficult decisions to make and people turn against her and she she it really witnesses a lot of pain and suffering but at the end of the uh, the day she becomes she's basically the most powerful human rock on um so apologies for the spoilers (laughs) um but Esri in these novels is also really cool she's um at this point she's broken up with Bashir so I say yay to that <laughs> and no surprises. She basically tells Picard, like, she has this idea for a mission, and Picard says, No, it's too dangerous. And she's basically like, Fine, I'll go do it myself. And she would totally do that twice, except for she needs the enterprise. So she convinces Worf to help her convince Picard to help them out in these missions. So she's basically having all of the great ideas and uh, having to kind of take Picard along with her, which is, um, I mean, it's sad to see Picard in a bad state, but it's uh, really cool to see Esri so in control. It's cool to see her also get to come into her own as a character,
1: going from being the very insecure, I just got joined, I don't know what's going on, person to someone who's a captain and is making big calls. Yeah, and if I remember correctly in the Destiny books,
2: she sort of is going through that as a captain, too. Like, she just Mm -hmm. got promoted, and she's like,
1: ugh. That's the entire Esri story just getting thrown into uncomfortable situations.
2: But she has this almost epiphany at some point where she's like, you know what? I'm a captain. I don't have to listen to you. You are not my superior. We are equals.
0: And this is what I'm going to do. Sweet. Yeah, she um she gets promoted because three people above her die in this war. Um, So she, again, is thrust into an unfamiliar situation, but she really uh, takes it on. And the Destiny trilogy is about... Um, her, Captain Picard, and Captain Riker on the Titan. So, it's putting her up in their league, I think, is really significant. Nice. Essentially, we're recommending these books. <laughs> I recommend them, yes. Um. So, I guess at the end of the day, what do we wish we saw more of? I mean, other than just more women captains generally. More ones that um, aren't just there to serve a purpose for a male
1: character would be nice, for one thing. That'd be a good start. Here, here. Yeah. And for another... One- Ones that we just get to see do more, ones that aren't just there to be seat fillers. I would like to see more effort put towards putting more female characters in authority and not just saying, oh, no, no, they're there. They're, they they were sitting in the background. You They exist, really. You can pause it and see, like, two there. Yeah, we've done our job. I want to see them as actual characters. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I think I would like to see them be able to do the kind of awesome things that we get to see male captains do yeah. um, in terms, I mean, we get to see Erica having, you know, a sort of casual relationship with archer um but you know you look at uh particularly like captain janeway and there's this implication that like you can't be with anyone um that you know my job won't let me do that but then you see um you know cisco gets married uh kirk um is off you know, love interests, right, left, center. <laughs> They're just being thrown at him. So I think I'd like to see that. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd also like to see um more bad women captains. I don't mean do like being bad at their job, but I mean being with villainous intent. Yeah, like the guy in in The Wounded, but having a really clear motivation for that. I mean, we see Benteen sort of turning villainous at least she's not she's on the wrong side but you don't really get that really deep sense of why she's doing that that you do with Captain Maxwell an antagonist with good motivation then yeah exactly
2: i'd like to see more cultures that they encounter that have more women in them i mean in voyager i think even when we were including alien captains non starfleet captains we weren't seeing a lot of women. Why? We're meeting races that we've never met before because we're stuck in the Delta Quadrant. You're telling me they
0: all have problems with representation too? (laughs) Apparently. In in the Destiny trilogy, Hernandez's crew and Er Esri's crew both have, and actually even the Enterprise and the Titan crews have, tons more women on them than we normally see in the show and it that's another reason it's sad we didn't get to see more stuff going on on the columbia because the one scene we see erica hernandez's bridge you see i think um at least three women on the bridge and the most we ever get in another series is um you know two women on the bridge and one woman in engineering
2: they have so much more freedom in the books than they ever did on tv yeah
0: yeah i would think so and that's
2: not just in terms of gender representation but there are lgbtq plus characters in the books and they get into andorian reproduction and that culture has four genders so it gets really interesting in some of the books which just sounds fun
0: yeah and i mean you can understand why um in terms of you know the the really really complicated aliens that they just couldn't afford to create those for tv but there's no reason why you couldn't afford to cast a woman or couldn't afford to cast a person of color or couldn't write a character as lgbtq so i i think that you know just Stepping the diversity up a notch would be awesome. Show us a little effort, man. Show us what you can do. All right. So that brings us to the end of our show. So um, if uh, you have any comments or questions for us, uh, you can email us at crew at women at warp.com or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash women at warp. You can also visit us at women at warp.com. Or on Twitter at, you guessed it, Women at Warp. I'm sensing a theme. So, Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at at Jank,
1: Or you can read my writing on the Mythcreants blog. And what about you, Sue? You can find me over
2: at AnomalyPodcast.com.
0: And I'm Jara, and you can find me at TrekkieFeminist.tumblr.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks at Women at Warp.